0: And then uh, you you run it. <laughs> you run the game. I am a genius at segways. I just oh, want to so say so that. Hi everybody. If you don't know me, <laughs> no, I'm Gyroscope. I
1: just that. I
0: think it's S E G U
1: E or something crazy like that. It's like, like C- seg. Yeah, I, I've been pronouncing that word C my entire life. <laughs> you know, I, Very I, I like wrote out like the, the machine segue when I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not oh sure. I was like mm, um I don't think you know that's not what that is. I wish they have
0: never corrected you for the rest of your life. <laughs> Just take a segue. <laughs> Three, six, nine, nine, nine. Is that why they call it a segue? <laughs> okay. Anyways. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sarah the Rebel, uh, this is What Presents, and uh, if you don't know, we run a podcast, me, Tamara, and our co-host, is it, we need a word for three co-hosts because it makes me our, tri- our tri-host, uh, Katrina, is not here today, um, but we are a podcast about crazy feminist cat ladies talking about geeky stuff, and you can find us on YouTube or anywhere, and we happen to love D&D, and uh, what we found just from having conversations is that different people have different perceptions of Dungeons and Dragons uh, based on where they're coming from. And so we thought it'd be interesting to do a panel about um, things to keep in mind, or finding a group, or all the various things that come about when you are a minority interested in Dungeons and Dragons. So first, let me introduce everyone. This is Tamara,
2: introduce yourself. I'm Tamara Brooks. I am a, a writer of various nerdy things in various places including Crate, and Please Read the Magazine. Oh yeah, Read the Magazine. And, mm-hmm. Read the Magazine, it's very important. Um, and uh, yeah, I actually have known about D&D for a long time, just RPGs in general, we had one as a kid that kn- we made a lot of characters for, but never actually played, called Top Secret, um, in which one of them was an assassin chef. And I never actually started playing Top Secret. Was,
1: was that based off the movie at all? It was not. Okay. It would have been fun if it was, but it, and there's no Val It's right <laughs> <laughs> like an hour of talking, Doctor. Talk, talk. yeah. Um uh, hi everybody, I'm Miranda Kappa, I'm the voice actor and uh, creator of the show called Draconian Nights, and uh, I like d and I was also a dude in W.S. Darwin, do that stuff, and cast spells and all that stuff. And, yeah. I'm
3: but
4: really sad I didn't tell you to bring your mask. Oh Overgram. Yeah, It's on me, guys. Not, I apologize to be everyone. No, would be all sweaty. Yeah, I, <laughs> That's sweaty true. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just speaking, this way I'm talking. No one's going to argue with me right now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Hi, I'm Erica Ishii. I am a voice actor and host. You may have seen me on Geek and Sundry. Uh, I've been playing D&D for maybe something like 15 years now, I think. Uh, yeah, we had also started out with uh, just making characters because I just love, I love creating characters. It's part of what I do for a living. And uh, it, it really inspired me. And, and a couple of years later, we actually found somebody who could DM for us, and I've been playing ever since.
3: Hey everyone, I'm TL. Uh, I really, uh, Sarah, thank you so much, and T, uh, and Ryan, and Erica, for inviting me to be on this panel. Um, I am not necessarily in front of a camera. I don't have any live streaming shows or podcasts, but I do think it's very important to have uh, as much intersectionality as possible uh, you know, represented. And one of the things that i found was not necessarily represented. It was, you know, maybe we have people of color that are playing, but maybe you don't have 40-year-old women who are talking about their experiences playing Dungeons & Dragons. I've been a gamer since I uh, was two, uh, which is now 39, 37 years. You're uh, four? I was just gonna say, I didn't I want to interrupt you, you but you're smart. I know. <laughs> I will be 40 in March. It'll be six months, a little less than six months, yeah. And I think that's really important to mention, you know, because it, I think there are things that you might be able to tell about me, like perhaps I'm a brown lady, but I think also talking about the fact that they are women of a certain age in gaming is also important. Um, so I've been playing video games uh, since, you know, 1979. My first system was the Atari 2500, 2600, played Pong. And then I started D&D when I was 13, so that's now 26 years that I've been playing d and and started DMing when I was 14, so like 25 years. DMing and playing d and all kinds of RPGs uh, and meeting all kinds of gamers and talking about games in a critical way. Those are kinds of things that have evolved over these last, you know, maybe this last decade. So I think this is fantastic. Again, thank you all for, um, for having me on the panel. I usually see lots of panels and I'm like, oh, I have video games that are older than you. I have, I have game guides that are in my stores that are older than you. And so I really appreciate uh, being asked to be on this panel. Maybe it was because of, you know, I'm a brown lady. But uh, no, now that you're 40, you're definitely (laughs) under 50. But yes, so yeah. And I'd love to, again, I'd love to talk about that, not just those kinds of intersectionality kind of things, but I don't want to be afraid to share how old I am. Uh, And I think that's also really important too.
0: Awesome, thank you guys. Well, I thought we'd start off with some fun, light stuff before diving into the deep and heavy. Um, What was your favorite character or setting? that you remember from your time playing? And it can be Dungeons and Dragons, or it can be any other RPG. Uh, if that question really puts you on the spot, it can be any game,
2: you know, whatsoever. Um, I, so TL uh, is one of my game masters. like I have not played a lot. Um, I've played a couple times, but like, she's one of, she's, she's the only game I've ever had. So that was really cool. And so she ran this uh, level 20, so I got to create a level 20 uh, sorcerer, and I was super stoked about it. And it took me a really long time to pick my spells. Um, and uh, then I found out while in the middle of playing, there's a thing that you can do where basically you can make your character storm. So I made my character storm. So it was, that was that was pretty fun. And so it was like a thing with a with vanishing, uh, you know, like nightmares and vanishing villagers, but like being a being a little bit like you can, so normal X Men. Yeah, normal X Men. And so and, and one of the things was she could fly and then she could also give uh, half her uh, her speed and give up to six people flight. So I was like, we're fine, flying everywhere. Everything's happening. <laughs> next, so I, that was, that I was super stoked about that. Well, I've played
3: D&D uh, for a really long time, and Tora, thank you so much for, for the shout out there. love mm-hmm. being here with you. Um, so I'm sure lots lots of D&D characters, I play a bard very often, pretty much my, uh, my MO, but my, the, one of the very first characters that stuck with me, which is why I love tabletop RPG, and, we engage in this kind of collective madness you know, with each other. We look at each other like we're doing this. We're gonna be silly characters for four hours, eight, 12 hours, we're doing this. Don't tell anybody else. And, uh, and I had a character in Werewolf the Apocalypse, uh, which is a white wolf game. And in, in Werewolf, you were actually encouraged to create characters that had disabilities. So I had a werewolf character that uh, was missing an arm. And it was the first time I had even kind of explored that. I'm not a person who's disabled, um, and it was just a really wonderful setting in a very safe place that that that, um, that game designer had really put in a lot of effort to go. A disability is not necessarily something that is uh, a negative in the world of werewolf. It can actually be quite a boon for your character and allow for a lot more interesting role play. So it's and that was when I was in college in the '90s. So, that, I mean, imagine how long ago that was, you know, again, probably a character older than some people in the room. But it still stuck with me, and that experience stuck with me being able to create a character that was praised for, for having a disability. Uh, uh, and
4: I hadn't seen that in other systems up until uh, so first of all, it's weird that I get a platform for this because this feels like this feels like you know when you're at the party and you corner that cute guy or girl and you're like, let me tell you about my Paladin. No, well, there was, <laughs> there was, there was there one time, right? So so now you're all the cute person in the corner of the room that I cornered. <laughs> Uh, but I think my, my favorite character was actually from uh, Star Wars, Edge of the Empire's mm. campaign uh, was uh, Gunny Gunderson Burr, the Ewok mercenary. <laughs> uh, he, he has a tragic backstory where he and his family were kidnapped, kidnapped off of the third moon of Endor and his family was sold somewhere else and he was sold to a circus to be a performing bear. And uh, he, he eventually learned the ways, like learned speech and then one day, one fateful performance day, he burned the circus tent to the ground
2: with all the morning
4: and ran off. Uh, and then at one point in our campaign, like the the very flamboyant uh, ringmaster showed up to try and get his due back from him. It was very dramatic. And that was my favorite character that I've ever played.
0: Good to you know there's still circuses. <laughs> right? Space
1: circus. <laughs> yeah, they don't mistreat anybody at all. Uh, I've only had like one. So like I I I was a Magic the Gathering dude for a long time and I was like, you're stupid like dumb <laughs> for dumb people. Um yes, and, it's good <laughs> then, uh, that's a pretty much that. And and then like Liam O'Brien who is on Critical, he's voice actor too, it was we were friends and it was his birthday, and Matthew Mercer, who is also a voice actor for a uh DM dude, uh for his birthday, Liam had played game in like 15 years or something like that, like since he was a kid. So for his birthday, we had a game. And me and Laura Bailey and Travis William, and uh, Jaffe, Marisha um, Ray, and uh, well, I think he was there too for, for that. But we played a game. And it was like, I was like, fine, I'll do this dumb thing for you because I love you and I'm a friend or whatever. And then like, Five minutes into it, I'm like, this is amazing! Holy <laughs> shit! Fuck it! Oh my god, you Oh my god, I'm gonna do all this shit! And no, then this guy came out of no, nowhere! And then, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Tiberius Storm is probably like my favorite character I've ever done in a game and profesh- professionally in like my career.
0: That is awesome. And I'm gonna answer too because I'm moderating and I can do what I want. Uh, I played a game called Monster of the Week, which is kind of set up like a Buffy or Supernatural episode every single week. And I created a girl who was an avatar of a goddess and she was the avatar of the Egyptian goddess Sekhmet, So she was basically Egyptian Thor. And she had absolutely no intelligence or anything. She just hit things with her hammer constantly. Uh, and I had an actual hammer that I would throw at people when they behaved very poorly in the game. <laughs> not not, not a, like heavy hammer, a Thor hammer. She clarified, plastic. It didn't, didn't hurt that much. Um, so I'm curious if, uh, some of you started really young, some of you didn't, so uh, what was your perception of Dungeons & Dragons before you started playing? Um, what was my
2: perception of it? Uh, I was a band nerd, so I didn't really, yeah, I, my nerd Venn diagram is just so, just, it's just layers. Uh, so like I was a band nerd, I was in of choirs, and I played a lot of video games, I read a lot of comic books, I did all this stuff. I knew D&D existed, but I had no actual, I didn't have an opinion of it. Really, um, I didn't know anybody that played that I knew of. That's probably entirely wrong, because I found out later that, oh, look, other people that I knew that I had spent a lot of time with, also my comic books, I didn't find this out until like seven years later. Um, So I didn't really have a concept of it. I knew what the media concept of of it was, which was, oh, these dorks, they're all puddly-faced, you know, white dudes with glasses in their mother basements, which is just really rude. Sure. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, but that's what you think. <laughs> it. That's, but, what, that's what the perception is for it. So, but I never really thought about that because also as a band nerd, and as a person who was outside the fringe, all of my friends were very different and very you know we looked different. We were all different from each other. We had from different backgrounds. And, uh, some of us were very cool actually. So I just never. Th- I just like this was a thing that I didn't know. Like, I just didn't know anybody did it.
1: So I didn't have a prejudice <coughs> against it at all. I just didn't know anybody was doing it. I thought it was good. <laughs> as, <laughs> as you do. said. Yes. Okay, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, but that was much like you, like what you just kind of said to piggyback, Like when I, when I realized like, what it really was, I'm a big improv guy, like UCB, like apprentice is where I trained, and like doing comedy stuff. Like, so like, sitting around with friends for like seven hours at a time—that's how long our games were, like six to seven hours. It was like, wow, I get to just like be a goofball for like this whole time, and then see what happens, like, and, and it was it was great. It was uh, especially being an actor. Like we have to com- compartmentalize like who we are versus what we do like pretty much every day. And this was like just I just let it go and live in this world and just be. It was I was the happiest I was ever ever. If that makes sense. Yeah. I actually can't remember. Listen, I can't remember <laughs> a
4: time, remember what time. I've thought before it. Before it, because like i never really perceptions of things never really bothered me. As, as you said, I was I was an orchestra geek, an orc-dork, yes. we called them. Yes. Uh, and and just, you know, like comics, and I, it was how I learned to read, and, and video games, and so, so it was really kind of a natural transition for me. Although, oddly enough, there really wasn't much of a presence um, you know, there was not a whole lot of overlap between like D&D and all the, the different geeky circles that I was in. It was a lot more fringe even then. Like it's like, I think even now it's still considered like even though it's sort of more mainstream now, at the time it was still like, it was like a step above LARP and that's <laughs> like, it was, it was just the, the geekiest of the geeky probably. Um, I don't remember ever being stopped by that though.
3: I think what's really interesting for me is is seeing gaming really evolve to where it's at now because when I was a gamer, uh, when I was starting, so I'm gonna say a few things that are sensitive, so please get ready, but there was no gamer gate and there was no sect of people of a particular race or a particular gender who were saying things like, this is for me and not for you. And so when I got into gaming, this was for me. uh, My friends were playing. And my uh, best friend's older brother, who was the other dork, uh, you know, was playing. And so I didn't get the sense that D and was for white people um, and that it was just for men and boys. Uh, I was playing with nerds, and we were categorically not nerds of color or nerds of an economic, you know, system—a a specific economic system. We were all nerds, whether you rich nerds or poor nerds, like nobody liked if you were nerds or dorks or geeks. And so now, all these many years later, I identify more as being a nerd or a geek or a dork, um, that worked very Lovely. Um, before I even identify as being Latina, before I even identify as being, you know, now a person of privilege and economic privilege, right? It was, it's always that, right? All of you are my people if you feel that so I, I was, it's always very strange with so I have to be, I feel like I have to back up into like, wait, oh yeah, how was it not for me? It's always been for me since the 70s and the 80s. Now I'm not the person that should be, you know, stereotypically should be playing. So my first dealings with D&D were finally, something for dorks like me. I'm from the Bronx, I went to school in the South Bronx, I grew up in Spanish Harlem in Manhattan, and people are not nerds and dorks in my hood. And they're still not. And uh, even in my own family, as a matter of fact, it was really until my uh, my family members of my generation started having their children, that now my baby cousins are like, oh, that's me. I
1: did that.
3: I did all of that. Because my family, both from my mom's side and my father's side, cannot figure out where this came from. They are hardworking people. My mom was a secretary. My dad was a, a garbage man for 35 years. They're not playing d and right? They come from families who come from Puerto Rico, they're not playing D&D. So, where did this come from? Nobody knows. I'm very happy that it's here. But feeling, getting that feeling of like, oh, that's what I am. And these are my games. It was really wonderful. When I met my best friends and I met her older brother, it was like, these are my people. We're the gamer people. We're the nerd people. Oh, this makes a lot of sense now. So D&D was, for me, a very positive, very surprising thing and actually started helping me solidify my identity more in District.
0: So that's all really interesting. It's, it's very different from my experience of it um, growing up. It was a conscious, this is a thing that white people do and we do not do this sort of behavior for my friends who had heard of it. Um, it was not cool. And I think also the opposite of that is that our friends never invited us to play because I think they thought we would think it wasn't cool. Um, so that was something that we ran into a lot um, growing up and if my family is obsessed with Star Wars I don't know why we never categorized ourselves as geeks, but it never came up that we were geeks or nerds uh, Even though we were doing all these geek things like you said, it was just something that people do So do you guys have any ideas of what might make people feel like D&D is not for them? And then if you have any uh, any thoughts
4: on why it is for them, you can share those as well. I feel like D&D is one of the more accessible geeky pastimes uh, for economic reasons. All you need is one book and then five people. Like 20 die, though.
2: Yeah, well. Okay. If <laughs> <laughs> you keep losing this, 20?
0: I never counted. There's a lot of dying. All
4: right. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty accessible and, and you know, I, I have to say that Local comic shops or hobby stores are extremely good about like if you go in and ask like hey I'm interested in getting into D and D everybody will say oh my god let me help you uh, because they love the fact that somebody is interested in this uh, heretofore geeky fringe activity. It's <sighs> yeah, heretofore, <laughs> uh, and and so I I'd say that it's it's very accessible and there isn't really a culture of like, oh, this is for us, this is, you know, like people, people who aren't like us don't belong here. Um, I've always felt that d d was extremely welcoming and that's how I got into it was because I had friends who liked it who, who thought I might like it as well. Um, so yeah, I, I would just recommend stopping by a local hobby store or a game store or, you know, talk to a friend who's into it, and I guarantee you will get help.
1: And to speak to what you said, you said there, there's something I find very interesting about that it's, is that up until the 80s, D&D didn't have any, they were just four white dudes in a basement, that was all that was on their advertisements. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. the, the, then in the 70s, they put a girl, there was a girl, but she was so white. So there was there was no people of color until like the 80s. I think it was like mid-80s when they had an ad and then there was a, the total black. Right. And then so was like, cool, you got the, the, the woman and the and then I think that's when it's shifted more just because of perception of like, oh, it doesn't have to be that, it could be that. I mean, I, I didn't think anything of because I thought it was like dumb and stupid, like. Or, like, I, like that. <laughs> uh,
2: I think these all kind of wrap it in the same thing of general perception and um, because if, if the only time you see something is in ads or on TV or things like that, if you look at the way the entertainment industry works we have only recently got to a point where things are actually diverse. Where even though storytelling, it's been for a long time, our hero could be anybody. You still have a lot of people in charge who go to your. I call it the great white default. So it's like, hey, our hero is this white dude or this white lady. Um, but now it's like our hero could literally be everyone, and people are actually telling stories that way. So I think that filters down to, um, you know, being able to. There's always going to be a corner of any interest in which there's a dark deep. Just the pokey kind of corner with the shards of glass and the evil punch, where they don't want you to come in there and be in their party, and. Like, like every single other place, we give them a the finger and we go there. Let we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think the, the, the biggest, the two biggest things, so there's the, the perception of this is not for us, because if we don't see people like us doing things, then we feel like we're not invited. Um, and then again, giving them the finger, doing it anyway. Um, and then there's the not knowing who else around you is doing it. I think the biggest, the biggest barrier is finding a, a DM, because I didn't play for a long time, I've been interested, it's just trying to figure out, hey, Well, who do I know that plays? Who do I know that DMs? I'm not familiar enough—I would do it, but I'm not familiar enough with it, and I'm kind of I'm that weird person where I want to know everything about it before I do a thing. You um, so sp- good whenever you do it, though. Yeah. You understand these games way too well. Yeah, I'm a game breaker. I like to be like, um, so this sounds that like this is a spell that takes a minute to prepare. What if I had like a rug that had that sigil almost and all we'd have to do is close it when oh, I put you're it keen. down? I did the Same thing. Yay! Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> game yeah, like the G- I said that Maybe. and the GM looked at me and he was like,
1: interesting. And I was like, can I do it? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, hey, that I uh, I've, 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 <laughs> when I nice the show that I make with just to exactly what you were talking yeah. about. Like it's not a show for it's not right. a white people, it's it's just a fantasy show. Yeah. Like that's why i like all the colors. I want yeah, all the colors. Cool. Um and uh, the with the, the DM thing, uh, with, with with accessibility that's all changed because of like, was that Net20? What was that website where you could like, uh, like? So, like, Roll20 yeah, tw- uh, is another tw- uh,
4: resource for finding people, you know, so you can play long distance with people that you wouldn't normally get to play with locally. So, and yeah, I definitely, there there's something to the fact that like top down and in the entertainment industry, there's still this perception that like, I mean, as you said, yeah. the default is usually white. Yeah. Uh, but you know, from the ground up, like from people that yeah. you just know, they'll always be yeah. happy to help.
2: And sort of the the um, fostering imagination in people and kids, because I feel like we've kind of gone a lot away, away from that. We have so many things that are like, you don't have to think too hard about it here, it's fun. And which is nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, but getting people to be able to like fire it up and like, you know, Imagine that you have wings, and people will be like, really, tell me more. You know, like it's just like, it's just getting that, that extra kind of layer of that. And then like, you know, uh, meetup.com, they have a lot of things there, going to your local stores, as long as they're not dicks, because sometimes they're dicks, sorry, if there's children in the room. Total um, dicks. Yeah, because like every once in a while, you go into a comic shop or whatever, and you just get like a weird vibe off someone, just turn around and leave. Or, and you can knock something over on your way
1: out. I mean, <laughs> really important for me,
2: as a, especially as a DM, um, making
3: sure that there are, and I feel like I overused the phrase of safe spaces, but I think that's really important. Um, there are lots of different kinds of players in it who play tabletop RPGs. Uh, we play perhaps even sort of uh, war games. I, uh, I play Warhammer, so these are games where you're supposed to take your minis and go slam into somebody else's minis and beat each other up. But that is not always the right tone for every table. So there are power gamers who just like to F things up, and then there are gamers who are kind of more like me. I play the bard. Uh, who do a lot more talkie talky, and we want to explore story more. So I think that's very important as a DM is to understand uh, the types of people that are coming, and and also I want to be able to, to be, because I'm that person leading the story. I feel I really do feel it's up to me, you know, as that person kind of with the megaphone at that point to go. I am accepting of all kinds of people. I am looking for all kinds of people. Uh, let's see if we can all mesh. Uh, but not everyone is that way, and that is absolutely okay. And, uh, and I think one of the things I'm hearing lots of on the panel is, if you keep it local, you'll probably have a lot of success, right? So not just you know your group of friends, but perhaps your local meetup, and perhaps your friendly local game shop, and then perhaps your local convention, where people like you tend to gather. And I think that's also key. So there's a bunch of these outlets where you can go, um, a bunch of, uh, uh, but all of this is really not on a very grand scale, right? This is all very much, at that home scale. Where are the people in your schools and universities? Where are the people at your libraries? Where are they at your game shops? Where are they at your conventions? And then if you are a dungeon master out there, then I encourage you to be that person who embraces that right intersectionality and diversity and all kinds of people. I play with tables with adults and children at the same time. And I say, if, if anyone has an issue with this, then this is not a table for you. But I have to be able to be a person who's okay with communicating those kinds of, kind of boundaries, right? Um, I was invited to play a game where there was going to be some character-on-character violence, and the DM asked the team, hey, just so you know, this is something that I would like you guys to explore. These two characters seem to be going in this direction, and if it gets violent, how do you feel about that? And when we all agreed to it as adults playing games, before we even got into the game, it was live streaming. he told his stream, hello, stream, just so you know, here are the things that are gonna be happening if you are sensitive to these kinds of things. So I think as a, as a person who's leading games and who's teaching other people to play games, it's important for us as those leaders of those games to set that tone and set those boundaries and to be very, very communicative about what it is that we're trying to accomplish. For me, at the end of the day, I want people to have a wonderful experience and want to play D&D again and again and again and again. And I get no kickbacks from from Wizards of the Coast. I just like that idea that there are a bunch of me's, people like me, out there who are again, and I love using the phrase collective madness, who are engaging in collective madness on a regular basis to tell stories with each other, with their children, or with a bunch of strangers, um, and then we're we're done. And then we go on to work on Monday morning.
0: Right,
3: that's awesome. And to give a specific example, because I find it
0: interesting, if any of you were to pick up um, a current D&D, booklet right now, you would actually see a lot of diversity on the pages. You would see um, people of all different colors and races are being represented, so, um, and, and if you've ever been to conventions like Gen Con, which are board game conventions, you'll see that bringing um, the diversity is really something that board games are focusing on right now, because they're starting to realize, oh, you know, if certain people aren't playing the game, it's possible that it's because they don't see themselves in the game, and so they're trying to make sure that that's not an issue anymore. Um, but it's also things that you might not think of, like you might not have thought of the character on character violence, or um, we have a player who's asexual, and we all happen to be a really rauchy group. And it never occurred to the DM that, oh, sometimes this is going to be very strange for our friend, where she's gonna go, ew, what? And that's not the reaction he was expecting. Um, so, and like TL was saying, I just wanna highlight, it's all about communication. You know, it's it's like you're giving a performance with each other, right? and you don't know what's gonna happen or where it's gonna go, but as long as you guys are all communicating and making it feel like a safe space uh, to have those conversations, uh, then you'll be pretty successful with that. Did you guys have anything else to add as far as
3: inclusivity
4: in D&D? Oh, gender also. Uh, in, in D&D, in the 5.0 edition, it does say uh, you know that like maybe characters I uh, uh, present as different genders than they're born as, and, and just said it's like completely up to the player, which is good on them for including that. Definitely. It's fantastic.
0: Um, so we actually kind of touched on this, but I do just want to ask, in case there was anything that we missed, um, recommendations for starting your group, um, and then also, if you guys know of any, if not, I'll share them, uh, for people who maybe don't have friends that play, how to get started.
2: Well, I uh, all of my friends are nerds, like literally, I, I'm not, not a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I <was> a dork. <laughs> um, Yeah, so like I pretty much my entire friend thing, it, and not by calculation, it just happened that way. Um, and so, but none of them played that I knew of. So then I kind of was talking about it like last year, I think it was. And then I started talking about, oh, you know, I never played BDB. And I was like, well, really? I play. And I was like, do you now? Yes. Tell me more. So, like, so that's basically it was just. Asking around, and I think Facebook, because it's kind of friends of friends, that if you just put a call out and say, hey, um, I want to play D&D, does anybody know anybody? And then you'll be able to kind of foster some more hookups uh, that way. way. Um, and then, let's see what else. Um, I think that, yeah, the hardest barrier is finding someone who will run your game. Um, and that's, that's. but I think, again, if you, if you ask, ask around enough, somebody will know somebody, or you'll, you'll, you'll meet somebody who's been playing for a while and wants to you know, DM for the first time, and you'll be good to go. I can't speak for the west side of town because I live
3: out in Pasadena, but there is a nice sort of string of game shops from there through Hollywood. So for example, in Pasadena there's Game Empire, which is fantastically inclusive, uh, Chuck works really hard to make sure that the shop is, is as family-friendly as possible, but also competitive as possible. They have Pokemon gyms, and they have Magic you know, Gathering Friday nights, and they have pre-releases, so, so Game Empire is one. I know there's Game House in Glendale, there is Geeky Tees and Perky Nerd, that is in Burbank, along with Emerald Nights, that's in Burbank. As you get down into Hollywood, oh, there's even Nightwear, which is in Burbank, although I'm not quite sure that's a game shoppy, but you can pick up a copy of more games there. Uh, then there's, as you go out into Hollywood, there is uh, Meltdown Comics, uh, which has Thursday and Sunday D&D like, all of the time. They're always playing games. I was DMing a table for eight movies two weeks ago, because I have so many people that show up Um, But then I stop at about Hollywood and We because I don't know what's further out sort of in Santa Monica. But if anyone has any recommendations, those are good. But that is a really giant, you know, very long string of game shops and comic book shops uh, to to get you started, you know, in those spaces. And if you're just a Magic the Gathering, there's Core TCG, there's Pasadena, there's MTG Deals, which is in San Gabriel. So there's a lot of these sort of niche places that you can go to, but then I don't know anything past like the four or five I, I don't know a lot, but let me
0: just name 30 stores <laughs> for your community. Okay. Just, for my side of the valley, like
3: Valley and San Gabriel Valley, but that's, I don't know anything else sort of by the ocean. And then you can do, of course, like T you were saying, meetup.com, there's you know, Pasadena D&D, and then there's Los Angeles D&D, and then from there, it'll, I'm sure you find an Asian branch out and out and out.
1: I think uh, for, for on the uh, role-playing uh, aspect on starting, uh, I, I always tell people just, uh, have an open mind, uh, you, you might be a dwarven cleric, you might be, you, whatever, you, I have no idea I was going to be a dragonborn sorcerer, like, I was just open to the fun aspects of what the game could be, and that's, and I don't ever do that, I always like to have everything planned, I, I need to do everything, but I was like, Oh sure, this is going on, and I had the best of my life doing it. Right, I think, Orin, you're, I, I just want to really point, uh, hit Orion's point again, is that,
3: that have an open mind is really important. The, the first time you go to a game, if you haven't already, or a game shop, if you haven't already, uh, you may not find the right table or the right DM for you. But please definitely don't give up because we are all out there. I, I'm, I just happened to be at Meltdown two weeks ago on Thursday, but I'm not usually. And I happen to just meet and play games with eight newbies, five of them who had never played D&D before. Great timing, it was wonderful synchronicity, but if it didn't happen for them and they had a different DM or someone just wasn't as welcoming, I don't want you to feel like we're not there. So I feel like there are times where, where we uh, might get a little bit more sensitive to the thing, especially when you put your first little foot out there, and then you're like, yeah, let's do the thing, and somebody goes, no, thank you, and you're like, I don't want to do the thing
2: anymore. <laughs>
3: but keep trying to do the thing, you know, keep really get out there and putting yourself out there, because you will find the right people and you will find the right DM. And, and if you're looking for a DM, don't be afraid to say, I am this kind of player, I'm a power gamer, I'm more of a diplomatic type of player, I'm a sneaky a setting, or maybe the kind of environment that you wanna play in, and you know, perhaps they won't have you sitting at a table with eight other power gamers, which can be very intense, but also very fond of that sort of thing. Uh, and I just wanted to share for
0: anyone interested in DMing, um, I have two DMs. One of them I met randomly at a video game event that we would go to every month where everybody would get drunk and I just mentioned, I have this game and I really wanna play it, um, and but I don't know anyone who could DM. And immediately he was like, I DM, I will come and DM the thing, this will be great. Um, so you don't even have to um, necessarily go to board game stores although those, will, those make the most sense, um, but be talking about it. Express your interest is the number one thing. You'll be surprised what comes to you if you just like talk about okay. it. It's yeah. pretty much my life. My,
4: <laughs> my favorite weird story of that is that a friend and I were at a karaoke bar uh, in Westwood one time, and there was a really cute guy that was singing The Killers, uh, and we all exchanged numbers, and. Like we actually ended up hanging out, and he, we were talking about D and D. He's like, oh, in, in Australia, I uh, do, I, I, uh, I DM a campaign, like, and yeah, he did. Uh, it, I bet was he was really cute. I bet he was really cute. But and uh, and so he ended up running a campaign for us, and he was amazing. He had these like home brewed campaigns. So yeah, just like put the word out there. And online resources are, are such a boon these days. It's not something that we had back in the day. Boons are big thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Using all these extra words today. Oh,
2: and if you don't have actual dice, there's a lot of uh, online. Either I don't know if there's apps, but there's definitely like. There are, yes, there are, I'm apps, sure there are apps um, yeah. that you can download. You for just, and the rolls for you, and it. And also, if you are kind of intimidated by D and D, then there's also you know we we're in a Dragon Age group. That's, oh God! So there's Dragon Age RPG. There's a Dresden. There's Pathfinder, there's Pathfinder. There's Dresden has one. We talking about Star Wars. But there's like pretty much every major game has an, an RPG. a RPG. There's
3: if you want to if you want to be dogs,
2: there's Pugmire.
3: If you want to yeah. be mice, there's Mice and Mystics. Um, if you want to play a game where you're teenage monsters and has nothing to do with killing each other and everything to do with trying to manipulate each other. If you want to play a game with fire, there's ten candles that actually involves you burning your character's uh, traits as you go along and blowing out ten candles. I mean, there's all kinds of great things. If you want to just play dragons, you can play that. If you want to be a steampunk lady, there's a Lady Blackbird. And there are all kinds of amazing tabletop games. And thank you guys for for jumping, uh, opening up that can of worms because that is my favorite thing, is to be able to share, I'm happy that you came for Dungeons and Dragons but let me show you some other stuff over here. So now you've gone and opened the door and yeah. you're back in the back of the shop. Would you
2: like to be a cleric? Yes. <laughs> 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 it's There's wild. only one way <laughs> <used> to answer <laughs> that. And I know,
3: I know and sorry, no, the name of this is, you know, D&D wild, dot, 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 But I just did that to get people to come <laughs> in. <laughs> if you find that may, if maybe D&D is not your thing and that is absolutely okay, or maybe it is your thing and then you wanna do something more, there is so much out there that is outstanding. I played a, a game called Spears of the Dawn, which is an African fantasy setting game. And the guy who was leading it said, look, I need people who are gonna be mature to play this game because this is a, usually the settings are either in Asia or the settings are usually in England, you know, like D&D is usually, you're talking with British accents, but this is categorically an African fantasy setting. So I need people who understand and can still just play the characters as they wanna play. And it was outstanding. The game is absolutely brilliant and I highly recommend it.
1: Uh, this could be called like, how how do you girt? Grouping is like another thing, right? Yep. Uh, I, I think the uh, most unique thing was I did a Star Trek group. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Like they were just a crew and I was in engineering and I, was, yes. I, I, I tell my uh, my, I, my captain uh, Jackson Lansing, uh, who does stuff uh know yeah, Jackson? Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was uh, he was the captain and uh, he would, whenever he would give me a word, I'm like, call me the forge. He's like, I saw your
2: name. Um uh, <laughs> 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 I didn't <it> going <laughs> As, did you have to roll? I was just kind
1: of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I was like, I'm going to put this, I'm going to put this here. He's like, oh, God. And then live rolled really loud and that. So we were stuck in space for like two hours. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's a
0: te- team. You know, the, the team was stuck in space. Ryan didn't do that. Fort did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, one last tip about for beginners before we move into um, another part of the topic. Uh, we had a DM who um, we had, well basically we had a friend who said I want to learn to play uh, D and D, uh, and but I don't have a group or anything. And so we decided to pull him in. E um, Tamara and another friend Omar was on our panel yesterday, and our DM did this really cool thing where because we were brand new. Uh, Well, we weren't, but we were all pretending we were brand new so that Doc wouldn't feel that place. Because we're good friends. Uh, He uses a system um, to help you pick a character in a class because sometimes you might think that you want to play a certain thing. D&D can be very intimidating, right? You've got a a huge booklet to look through and figure out what race you wanna be, what class you wanna be, what background you wanna be. Um, And so he basically used little envelopes with drawings on them, or he used little clues where he'd say, okay, you know, you see a dagger, you see a sword, you see a shield, which one do you pick up? So he had the characters wake up um, naked and afraid and blindfolded in a room. Uh, It's not as bad as it sounds. It sounds way worse than it was, it was was not as bad. Um, and no, also Saturday night at my house, I was excited. <laughs> um, but he built the characters through that. We all took our blindfold off. Okay, well, what are, what are you? Um, here are some four races you can choose from. Um, here, you know, what, what do you look like? Here, you, uh, which weapon did you pick up? Um, you, do you feel more like it's cold in here or do you feel like it's hot in here? And he basically used our answers to build a character for us. Um, which I think can be really fun way to get people, A, to try characters they'd never play. I would never play a cleric. I think of a cleric. Uh, and I worship an evil goddess. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something I would never do, and it was really fun to for me to step out of the box. And then for our new players, they didn't have to feel all that pressure of, um, you know, oh my gosh, how do I do this? And it also took a lot of um, the the setup time away as well, because the first time you play, um, if you're with a group that are all kind of new, you may just want to like kind of jump into it a little quicker. Uh, so uh, that's something to consider, and I'm sure there's other cool ideas out there, and I don't know if you guys have any other I
3: <laughs> yeah, I checked out a bunch of first and third-level regions which are free online, even from Wizards of the Coast, if you're playing specifically D&D, and just like, just pick one,
4: that's it. But that way is super creative.
3: Do They have yeah, the here. online
4: character builder. Does anybody know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's it's really fantastic. It's an online system that will just walk you through each step, and it'll explain it. It'll have the breakdowns all in one spot. Um, because it's fun flipping through the book, but it's it's unless you're sort of familiar with it, this is the best way to start.
1: I, I, but for, for for me, I was I'm the complete opposite. I was like, oh my god, all these spells blah, blah, blah. and I was like, I mean, that's I, I'm that dude who was like, yes, I want all the spells I want to know how I can make this even better and game in the game. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, uh my main DM. <laughs> We have a fun relationship. Actually, for for an upcoming episode, I had a, a, an item that Tiberius finds called Boros Ring, which is thrown uh, to magical Beyond. But I I empower everything at all time. I can't even help it when I'm writing. was like, yeah, it's going to be this and this and this?" And I'm like, oh, "So Peter, damn it!" And I had to know each other. I was like, I called Matthew. I was like, "Hey, I need you to make an item for me." He's like. <laughs> Boring. I'm like, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. he's like, what do you have? I'm like, well, it does this, he's like, no, no, you didn't <laughs> even know finish. he's like, no, no, he's like, it's already too much. I'm like, yeah, but see, and he's like, no, do this, it does this and it does that. I'm like, okay, that's like, okay, All right.
3: <laughs> that's a, so, so, Orion, I love what you're saying because once you do, like, you're the way you, you guys, which is super creative, I think it's a great short way. It gets people invested in D. indie because uh, you're not know, just throwing at them a pre-generated character, which is what pre generated means, which is what I do, i just here to pick one. But there's this idea that once you play it one time, crack open that player's handbook and flip around and you may find that something else calls you. And in the very back of the player's handbook, there's this you know giant glossary of spells, and it sounds like <laughs> it's something that, oh yes, all the spells are here. So that's that, that kind of thing. So start you know, start somewhere, and then after that, definitely go explore because it's absolutely worth it to see you what else you can do.
0: And you know what really helps with that is a, a backstory. Pick a character that you don't know if they're a fighter or a mage or, or where they come from or anything, but just pick a story for them. What are they gonna do? What are their goals? What do what they think like? And that can actually help you, you know? was like, oh, okay, I wanna be this lady who's on a, a pirate boat. Okay, well, that's easy. I know I'm gonna be a pirate. You know, that's one of my backgrounds. Um, okay, she she likes this certain type of stuff. Okay, that helped me pick um, this other background. Um, so it, it's really a great idea if you can create the story in your head for your character. If, if it's too intimidating trying to figure out what you want to be, or if you just if you're like me and you're like I want to be all the things, yeah. and you're not allowed to be all the things,
2: uh, then that can help you kind of narrow it down. And I like picking like a weird thing that my character does, and it doesn't always happen in the gym. Sometimes it happens like when I'm playing. So like when we were playing uh, last Saturday, I think it was, uh, I decided that, well she, okay, so I had made a character that then disappeared because I was using my Surface, and then it just disappeared. Okay, oh, it's that terrible. Yeah, it was, like you know, it was. Yeah, it yes, was great. So awesome. I had to like find a find a pregen and just go with it. It was completely different than what I was doing. It's the first time I ever played a cleric, which was awesome because they're kind of tanky. Like I like playing spells. We do never wear armor, and I was like, I can actually like run up and hit things and not die. Um, yeah, you're yeah, right. So, um, but so one of the things was she was she had a nine intelligence. Oh. Now, do not play D uh, <laughs> anD. d Nine intelligence means you are. He was not. I mean, bless your heart. Just all <laughs> of my characters are like that. <laughs> we're really dumb. Negative one to all your intelligence checks. Yeah. So I decided that when she went to sleep, she was like she pulled she, she pulled out a little stuffed animal of her her deity and she slept with it because I thought that was the thing that she would do. That's so cute. Yeah. So I just like And then I had uh, a a drunken half assed sailor in another game who uh, they run run into her in a tree uh, thirty miles from the coast. And they're like, how'd you get there? And she's like, Probably 10. You know? it. Yeah, it's like, like, no idea. So I like just doing like one little weird thing that. Is,
1: was your character you drunk like all the whole time?
2: No, well, no, not drunk the whole time. It was, it was a hangover at the start of it. But her mm-hmm. thing was like, once she starts drinking, she's kind of a dinger. So like you have to roll every time and see if she'll stop. So. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs>
0: so she'll stop. She'll, 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 oh, yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. Uh, my character sleeps with every NPC and I do have to roll to see certain things, um, it's, it's great. Uh, so back to less happy talks. Uh, have you ever been uh, the only minority in your group, whether because of your race or your gender or anything else, um, and if it's not D&D in any other sort of nerd setting, um, how did it make you feel? And it's okay if it didn't make you feel any kind of way, and um, uh, just I would like to hear a little bit about your experience because this might be something that people run into, and,
2: and whether or not you stayed with that group. Um, I have not been the only person, uh, except like in comic stuff, I, I, I can be like the only woman in a room, um, not necessarily the only person of color, but definitely the only woman in a room, and it doesn't really, it depends on what the conversation is doing and who's in the room as to whether I feel comfortable or uncomfortable, but I also don't let people make me feel uncomfortable about it, because I also know what someone tries to check me on the thing, I'll be like, oh really? So she's my favorite friend to bring to (laughs) anything comic-related. Yeah, so so I just don't let people do that to
3: me. I have often been the only woman or the only person of color at work, let alone in a gaming (laughs) environment. But uh, my long time gaming group was, uh, I was the only lady and the, yes, the only person of color for a while. But we didn't identify, again, like I said earlier, I found people that identified first as nerd and dork and then as something else after. Perhaps it was a gender or perhaps it was an ethnicity. So when we all got together to play, it was not you know four guys and a lady or you know four white guys and a brown lady. It was five nerds in a room <laughs> playing D&D. And so that was very, uh, it, I felt, very included anyway, and we never our games were never about our genders or our races, um, and I found that the, my friends who were guys were playing characters who were women as as often as I was playing a character who was a woman, or as often as I was playing a character that was uh, a man, uh, so or you know a female gender or male gender identified as. Uh, so that was that was. Re- I, I I hope that hasn't happened. I'm sure it has, but um, I, I have appreciated very much that even if I had been the only of something um, in the room, I had not been the only nerd in the room. And we seemed to uh, find each other on that before we found each other on race or ethnicity or uh, gender identification.
1: I think it um, uh, uh, might, I've, uh, yeah, I've uh, ethically been like the only one, but that shit doesn't matter. I mean, but like, the, but, but what, I, but what I was was the only single person in the group. And that segregated me way more than I realized. And it wasn't until, uh, my Michelle Moreau, she does cool stuff, um, she pointed that out. She's like, she's like, Ryan, you're the only one in the Kurt role group that isn't partnered. So when we would come across certain situations, my perspective and opinion would be completely different from the rest of the groups. Because, they have a partner mentality. So when the game's over, they go home with each other and they probably the blow up. I go home alone and like, play video. But I, I obsess over stuff. And that's why I was, but that's why years was fucking mean, awesome. Like, I mean, like, I, I never, never took damage. Like, I did the most damage and I saved everybody time. the time. Like, yeah,
0: that's how I remember it.
1: Yeah. Um, so, like, it was the couple thing that was right. That's interesting.
4: I um I just realized that in like my fifteen years of playing D and D, I've only ever been the not the one non-white person in all my groups. I just realized that. I guess So it obviously like, like never came yeah. up, or never really thought about it. If I just only noticed it now, yeah. but I'm glad to say that in uh, almost every single group I've been in, it's been either uh, an equal ratio uh, or more women than men. You like Even from my very first game, we had more women than men in the groups, uh, and I, I really appreciate that. So we have almost run out of time, so real quick, I'm gonna let everybody
0: promote their work, what they're doing, or anything else right now, um, and then we're gonna open the floor to questions,
2: so. Okay. Uh, I'm at Ms. Tamara on the Twitters and the Instagrams. Find all the updates there.
1: Uh, Ryan Acaba on all the things that everything everybody else is on. Entrepreneur Night's to School. Yeah, guys, you, should, you guys should, should watch it.
4: Um, I'm at samurai Erica on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me on uh, twitch.tv TV slash Erica Ishii or twitch.tv slash Geek and Sundry.
1: Uh, and
4: coming up, I'm going to be doing some stuff with Screen Junkies. All that stuff uh, like.
1: Oh, can I talk
2: about
4: her? Oh. Yeah.
1: She's in the kind of next nice too. She's she yeah. She's 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 dropping. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. She's, 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 I'm gonna use my time to, because you can't really find me anywhere, I'm gonna use my time to say, please increase the intersectionality as much as you can. We talked about gender here, we talked about ethnicity here at the tables, uh, but one thing that I know that is missing, even from my game groups are people uh, you know, with disabilities, are people from cultures way other than just the cultures I grew up with in, in the United States, but I don't have necessarily any um, Middle Eastern gaming friends, I don't have any Central Asian gaming friends, I think I have maybe one Russian gaming friend. So it's it's more than just, you know, the folks that I grew up with that I want to make sure that I'm reaching out to as a DM, but also people that are very much not like me. Uh, it, those kinds of things. And so I try to I want to make sure to challenge myself to look even beyond where I thought oh this is great, there's a lady and there's a there's a black guy. Wonderful. Did it done. It. Yeah. That's not that's not enough for me anymore, so I encourage you guys also to to to, to push that even further. Questions? Who's got some? Ask me about my feminist agenda.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't, I'll stand up, I guess. I'm sorry I came in late, but um, I don't know if you guys covered this already. I want to play, but I'm kind of like, I, I don't want to play until I know everything about the world. So how do I get away from that? Cause, because I don't know like, what are the parameters? Let me tell you about that. <laughs> yeah, as a person who is very like that too, because I don't wanna like run in the room and like be a hindrance to anyone, yeah. um, I just watched a ton of people playing on YouTube and Twitch. You just watch a bunch of games, perhaps like his series as well. And so that gives you kind of a, a running like this is how a game is running, even if it's not exactly what it is, you, you can see people
1: doing it in action as opposed to just you know, Thinking about to think about what talking yeah. about, think of your favorite film, too. Mm-hmm. Like, of the Rings, be one of the characters from that. Like, they're all there. Like, they you draw from the fantasy that you've grown up with and that has influenced you as a person.
4: And also, your DM will be a great resource for that. You know, just, they'll, they'll tell you what will work with their campaign and what you do need to know and what you don't need to know.
3: The uh, the other, especially for Dungeons & Dragons, if you go to d d you know, their .com or the coast.com they do have the sort of the basic player's handbook. They've got that, so you can look through like 114, 15 pages kind of walk you through all the kinds of things you would expect at a table. They also have sort of magic on there. They've got character sheets on there you can look through. So those are some like really hardcore, like concrete resources that you could use to get a feel of what it is.
2: And uh, Pathfinder, all their stuff is free, yeah. even their game guide. And we talked about um, non-D&D RPG games too. So if, if you play Dragon Age, uh, the video game, mm-hmm. and you're familiar with that world, then you can play that RPG. If you can read, read the Dresden Files books. They have an RPG. There's a Star Wars one. There's, I think he was talking about, you made a track so there's a lot of options for you, so that you can get more comfortable with just the entry level on it, and then you can have fun from there. Uh, Good, because we're out of time. Yeah. <laughs> Thank I'll you guys so
0: much yeah. for coming. Um, and of course, you know, we'll be here for a little bit, like walking around, so if you did have a question you were too shy to ask in the yes. big group. Come talk to us, and thank you guys for
1: coming. Actually, can I one can more with Yes. Yeah. Uh, hey, all you guys, come up front, because I'm going to take a selfie. Oh, oh, yeah, selfie. Yeah. selfie. 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 Yeah. Hey, you used to
2: say
1: that, better <laughs> <film>. <laughs> <laughs> that we exist.
2: YOLO. <laughs> 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 Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Is it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a <laughs>
4: I'm
1: for this, i Thank you everybody!